Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I am Sabrina Merchant, joined by Anthony Irwin, who I believe still has nothing to complain about regarding the Lakers. Is that the case, Anthony? It's good that you added regarding the Lakers, because Draymond <laughs> Green just spoke, and, and boy, I have complaints. I have thoughts. Uh, but yeah, regarding the Lakers, things are good. There's a picture of of the whole, I think, one potential starting five, right? Uh I guess it looks like LeBron James fell over. Russell Westbrook is picking him up. Anthony Davis is like laughing and smiling. Kent Bazemore is on his way to pick him up. Wayne Ellington is loving it. Uh, so like it just it just looks like everybody is just like one big happy family. And you know what? That's where I'm at. I'm I'm off in the distance. I'm like Pete. Do you think Pete has touched the ground since like the, <laughs> the Lakers acquired was- Russell Westbrook? <laughs> No, since since they let him into the facility, like, do you think yeah. he's actually set foot in the facility? I, and I, by I, that, I mean he's just floating around. He's, he's floating, in the facility. Yeah. He just hasn't put a the foot. Good on vibes the are carrying him across. <laughs> <laughs> he's just floating around, bouncing off the walls. Um, yeah, no, I think I think I'm in a pretty good mood heading into the the first preseason game. How are you? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, you know, uh, the the goal of this offseason appeared to be to recreate the vibes of 2019-20. And as just as silly as it sounded at the time, I'm really starting to buy into it. And I'm feeling all of the warm and fuzzy stuff <laughs> I was feeling back in 2019. I'm trying not to get sucked in, but here we are. You know, uh, Frank Vogel is saying things like, you know, we only have three starters locked in and everyone else is going to have to compete. And I'm like, Hey, competition. What a concept. I'm <laughs> Who do you think the three it. starters are that are locked in? Uh, <laughs> Alex Caruso, Contavious Caldwell. Oh. <laughs> got me square in the side. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> yeah. I I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm like you, the, the trip to Vegas, you know, the chemistry stuff, the talk of competition, the talk of sacrifice, Anthony Davis being the person out there and saying that like uh, he's ready to play predominantly center Frank Vogel trying to like walk it back a little bit, but AD be being, you know, out there saying, no, I'm, I'm ready to start there. And, and Russell Westbrook being the, one of the voices, like we never heard this from anybody last year, Russell Westbrook being like, no, Anthony Davis is better at center. Like we, like it was, it was something that I was marveling at. I literally, I went back and I Googled Anthony Davis center Lakers quotes. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and what, like what people were saying about it. And it was, it was a lot of like, well, you know, we got to try to keep him healthy. We got to, you know, it's something we just got to make sure to get him ready for the postseason, And we know that he'll go there when we absolutely need him. but it was never anything it was never anybody sticking out their neck on it, right? Whereas, like, Russ walks in. He's been in the facility twice. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. He's better at center. That guy yeah. over there? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, right away, between that and his hell no comments about the Clippers, like, I am, I'm all in. I'm going to buy a Russell Westbrook jersey. <laughs> yeah, Russell Westbrook, I... I have still lots, lots and lots of questions about what it looks like on the court, mm-hmm. but objectively, just as a teammate, seems like a really fun guy. Uh, everybody yeah. likes having him around. You know, he he just clashed heads with James Harden, which I'm I'm here for. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I feel like if you see eye to eye with James Harden, I'm yeah. I'm not in. 
<laughs> I am enjoying the Russell Westbrook is a Laker experience before the basketball gets involved. And that's a big part of it. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't very happy with a lot of the things that were happening last off season when like six people walked into training camp expecting to be starters. I'm like, wait, that doesn't add up. <laughs> <laughs> the Lakers literally Sabrina literally <laughs> promised two starting center jobs. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, I would say it's a good time improvement you know? over that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I I was reading a tweet from uh, Yovan that said that the starting perimeter spots around LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Westbrook will come down to players that balance three point shooting and perimeter defense best. Which, I mean, the thing that stands out to me most is the two perimeter spots around the three of them, which just further, mm-hmm. you know, supports the idea that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are the front court players. I'm all for the fact that like, if, Hey, the Denver nuggets are coming into town and you want to start Dwight Howard that day. Like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, but Mm -hmm. it's not an everyday thing that we need to commit to like on a regular basis. Anthony Davis should be the center. This is cool. Um, The Lakers do play on Sunday, a preseason game against the Brooklyn Nets, which Sunday (laughs) it's already here. What in the world? (laughs) I was thinking like, why did it seem like such a short time period? We missed an entire month of the off season. Yeah. We still missed it. It's just like last year was such a blur that this mm-hmm. year felt quote unquote longer, but we yeah. still missed an entire third of what a normal off season would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, real life basketball is gracing our feeds on Sunday and the Lakers have three fifths of a starting lineup in place. Thought it might be fun to just go through who are preferences were you know to fill those two remaining starting spots with the caveat that apparently Trevor Reza did not practice today has Mm -hmm. some sort of right ankle soreness Uh, I would assume that if that is the case he's not going to be starting a preseason game on Sunday same Trevor I'm right there with you my right right foot is a little sore too (laughs) a little sore so with that in mind we've got big three we've got you know a Brooklyn team with their own big three coming into town game is in LA right Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brooklyn's training camp is in San Diego. It's got to be in LA. Yeah. Um, who would you expect, or who would you want to see the Lakers start alongside this new big three? So that's often two different questions, right? Okay. Like, let's two, go with the, two who different would you answers. Want to? And who would you so, want who to? would I want? I would love to see Russ, Ellington, Bays, uh, LeBron, and AD. Um, I think that's a fun one. Another fun one like that, like from a purely basketball standpoint, that's, I think their best lineup. I think that'll mm-hmm. line up being one of the better lineups uh, from a, from an entertainment, like this is a, a preseason game. It doesn't matter. I'm here for Russ, uh, Russ Bays, LeBron, Mello AD to start <laughs> against the Brooklyn, like just get all the, I'm going to say like, DeAndre in- Jordan, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 let's not go too far. <laughs> all of the center talk from ad coming through training camp first game of the preseason deandre jordan starts at the five <laughs> they're gonna say they you say well you know that claxton's a big guy a big and dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you lamarcus aldridge is starting over there and he's a giant basically. i think it's funny to start dj against blake i i would be all for that i would have no problems with it even if it was somebody else starting at center other than anthony davis it was just this game against brooklyn mm-hmm. by all means Mm-hmm. Give me, give me DeAndre Jordan. But what do you think of what do you think of the mellow starting five? 
Like just for again, just for a preseason game, we know that the like the the starters are only going to play like fifteen minutes total mm-hmm. or whatever. So, so what do you think of 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 that group as a as a lineup? So again, it's it's uh, LeBron, Mello, eighty. I it cut out just a bit. You said Russ Bays. Yeah. So Russ Bays, LeBron, LeBron Mello, eighty. Um, I, I think Bayes is probably my favorite fourth starter among the Lakers. So you could pretty much throw like any number of names into that fifth place. And I would be okay with it. So long as the other four were in place. Uh, I, I like the idea of Mello with the starters just because, you know, if the, if the theory of Mello is that he's just this floor spacer, Olympic Mello guy alongside other mm-hmm. stars, like probably best to showcase that in a primarily defensive lineup that can hide some of his weaknesses. Right. Yeah, so, that's what not? I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like I think for for the sake of like you're saying, if you want to optimize players, right? If you're just trying to find the best places for them, like there is no the reason Blazers fans, like the, the people who I know who are Blazers fans are kind of annoyed at Mello going to the Lakers, is because now he's gonna look good. Like they were just <laughs> They were trying, they were trying to convince people like, no, 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 I promise. Melo has been really good. Like he's actually worked on some, on some of his defense and then he's actually trying to do some of these other things. And now it's like, oh shit. Now he's actually going to do those things. Now, like we might actually see the mellow, the, 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 the league is going to see the mellow that we have been telling them he has been this whole time. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like, I, I don't think we should read anything into the lineup that comes up in this Brooklyn game. Like the Lakers have, I believe six preseason games. So there's a lot of time to work things out, but you know, the I'm thinking back to 2019 again, right. When we had this point guard conversation of who should be that fifth starter alongside Danny Green, JaVale, LeBron and AD Mm -hmm. and Avery Bradley got the day one start and he looked really, really good and never relinquished a hold of that spot until he elected not to come to the bubble. So although I think there's plenty of time for things to change, I also think that there is an opportunity for whoever gets this spot to take hold of it, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe we shouldn't be messing around then with things like DJ. Cause that could end in a really poor direction. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Yesterday in the show, uh, Harrison joked that like, it's actually been good that we haven't gotten some like over the top quotes about Dwight or DJ in that, like it would be their first kind of, you know, I guess a hint at, well, I, I mean, they've just been so good. They go, we got to find them minutes. right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've actually been happy not to hear like Dwight and DJ have been tearing up the gym. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I agree. Thankfully, that's been limited to like the Nun and Bays and Westbrooks of the world, which I mean, even if Nun got the start, like a yeah Nun, Westbrook, Bays perimeter trio, I think mm-hmm. I would be okay with that just to see what he has as, you know, a, an off-ball player. I, I'm not entirely sure what that looks like, frankly, because most of his minutes in Miami were more of a point guard capacity. So, and I, I do believe that like there's going to be enough of a stagger with LeBron and Westbrook that you don't need to you know, save a backup point guard for lack of a better word. Um, and THD could also take that role. Right. So yeah, again, like I sort of think of it as a, I want to see four starters, whoever that fifth guy is, I'm amenable to change, whether that's THT or Ellington or Ariza when he gets healthy or even mellow mm-hmm. just for shits and giggles at this point, because who wouldn't want to see Carmelo Anthony going up against Kevin Durant in a preseason game? Like, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's have some fun here. Yeah. Uh, 
But for me, I kind of want to see uh, Talon in there. Just mm. like get him off on a good foot, you know? Uh, he was so wonderful during preseason last year and then just like didn't get to play the first 10 games. Yeah. (laughs) I think it would just be good for his confidence to sort of have an opportunity to do some things. And I worried that if he comes off the bench, he's going to get buried among this glut of guards that the Lakers have. Yeah. So I I would like to see Talon as early as possible, whatever that looks like. I like it. I'm I'm just laughing at the idea of like, you have like hoodie mellow, right? You have like headband LeBron and then you have hashtag preseason THT. No, let's get Austin Reeves out there. Actually, he'll really Kobe. (laughs) I just can't get over the fact that he just looks like somebody who just, I, 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 again, they, they, they put a picture when they released the, like the second, cause they initially, they released an initial press release they had him in like a collared shirt and he looked like a physical therapist that they just gave a promotion <laughs> to. And then like, and then in the second one, they put a picture of him in his summer league Jersey, but they made it kind of that faded black and white look. And he looked like, I don't know, one, like some player from the, from the seventies, right. He looked like Pete Havlicek out, or, or, or Pistol <laughs> Pete out there. Like he just, he just Maravich, Maravich. Uh, Pete, Dad just would combining be a lot I, of old white players. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're being honest, he looks like a combination <laughs> of all of those players. He's like no muscle definition, long wavy hair and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I like the idea of Talon being out there because again, it's like, look, this is the guy that you arguably made the biggest commitment to over the over the off season, right? Like uh, it's Russ and then it's T Talon Horton Tucker and, and Russ, like you made that commitment to, because you literally had to give guys up to get him. You can make the same argument for Talon Horton Tucker, right? That signing him meant that they didn't sign Alex Caruso. So if you can get him out there in a preseason game alongside Russell Westbrook and alongside LeBron and alongside Anthony Davis, um, and then with another defender out there in Kent Bazemore, who can take the tougher assignment there and space the floor for him as well. That's a great way to optimize somebody that you're really trying to showcase as early as possible here. Um, I think they have a lot invested in, in, in Taylor Horton Tucker having a great season. And this was, I, I'm with you hundred um, percent as this being a potential way to, to get him going. What do you think about Malik Monk? in the in the starters like i i don't I even like know where he lot. figures in i just don't <laughs> I, think it's ever going to yeah. happen right i'm trying to temper yeah. expectations here <laughs> yeah well that's like we said like you know to start the, the segment it was what would we like to see yeah and then what my do we imagination think we'll isn't even that good enough to think of like, <laughs> <in the starting. laughs> like i saw i, I was watching I like the some, idea a lot yeah i was watching a highlight video of like the things that he did well Honestly, the highlight video should just be him spotting up from the corner. Like, I, mm-hmm. it's cool that he can dunk. Like, that's that that'll be exciting. The Lakers on are going to play in transition. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm fine with it. But but all I care about from him and from none, and a little to a, to a lesser extent with uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, to a greater extent with Ellington and with Bazemore, just can you stand still in the corner and knock down a wide open three? Like that's all I'm asking. <laughs> like my, it's like for Jen, all I'm asking, Fred, 
if you're cooking his food is that Avery doesn't get sick. That's all we're like, that's, <laughs> that's where the bar is. If you're making us food, please just don't kill our daughter. It's like mm-hmm. for, for all of the guys who are not LeBron, who are not Russell Westbrook, who are not Anthony Davis and play on the perimeter. Can you just go stand over there and not become something that Zane has to write about again, about how every Laker shows up and forgets how to shoot. That's, that's it. I think that was Ellie, but still. Was uh, it? I think so. Oh, well, anyway, the, the yeah. idea holds that uh, it's, it's a simple job, really. If you're a non big three guy on the Lakers this year, just make open spot up shots. And yeah. I, I think that's probably Malik Monk's best skill. Um, the defense, from what I understand in his Charlotte days, was lacking. So he probably leans towards the Ellington side of the spectrum in terms of the offense defense balance there. But because he's so young, I'm just interested to see if he can give like a little injection of pace into that Lakers lineup. I think that would be a lot of fun. And yeah. So it, it was Ollie. Ollie wrote yeah. the article literally titled, Why Do Players Shoot Worse When They Join the Lakers? <laughs> So like, to me, it's the free throws. The free throw percentage always yeah. seems to goes down. And that just drives me up a freaking wall. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good news is their shooting court coach didn't get a promotion. Like that's oh. the good. <laughs> oh, wait. Wait. Hold on. <laughs> well, the good dirty. news is, is they got rid of 11 of the players from last year's team. So maybe it was their <laughs> fault and not the Lakers <laughs> shooting coach's fault. <laughs> The Lakers do the opposite thing that they do in the NBA where like if a player isn't performing with a coach, the coach goes, but no, in this case, all the players, players you're all gone. It's your fault that Mike Penberthy didn't look good last year. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a theory. We will see if it gets (laughs) proven this season, but so what's the, what's the starting lineup. Do you think that the, you know, that you think they'll, you'll see like, what's the one that if you had to put money on it, who's your, Who's your two um, other starters other than LeBron, Russ, and AD? Yeah, well, um, just to answer your first question, I'm going to go um, Bayes and Monk for what I want to see now because <laughs> I really want to see this kid play. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if Talon's talents are just a little bit too duplicative with Russell and uh, LeBron already on the court. I mean, he's going to have to play with one of them at the same time, no matter what, because I can't imagine the Lakers are going to go like any minutes without one of LeBron or Russ on the court. Like it just... Mm-hmm seems to be malpractice if you have the two of those guys why wouldn't you stagger them uh but yeah uh like last year they had they had tht alongside lebron almost exclusively Mm -hmm. like he was always out there unless lebron was hurt or there was another injury or something like that and they were forced into a situation but they definitely heavily preferred having taylor horton out there with uh with lebron Mm -hmm. yeah so what would i want to see I, i think i just want to see spacing um I, you asked me what I think we will see. I, I think it'll be Baysmore, Um, and I think it'll be Ellington. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as far apart on the defense offense scale of things as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I like, think it, like the idea know? of Ellington, not just being a spot up shooter. Like he's also a movement shooter, which just gives you more options. Yeah. Uh, he's really good well, coming off the screens. Well, I think, I don't think it was a coincidence that in that athletic piece where they detailed how the Lakers got Russ and how it painted the picture mm-hmm. of Rob Polenka, just like being a figurehead and all those things. Like it was, I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Ellington immediately was thought of right there because mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think 
you know, one of the things that I've really learned over my time in covering uh, the NBA is I don't think, I think there's a, a, a way bigger difference or chasm between the way that we as fans and, and, and people watching the game take in analytics and the way that players think of analytics, right? Like if, if a stat is presentable and, and, uh, and it, like, it doesn't go so fly so far in the face of the eye test. I think a player is open to it. I think players are, are generally fairly open to that information because that's all analytics are is information. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if, if you're talking about like, so one of the things that I have heard, especially this last off season was yes, the numbers say that LeBron and Mark really worked. LeBron just didn't care. Right. Like it just, it just wasn't something that was a very high priority to him because mm -hmm. how he thinks of the game didn't line up with what that information was telling him. And so, but all that said, like, I think in this case, I think LeBron recognizes, yeah, you need space. Like he, if we're going to, the whole reason AD is playing at the five is to open up the court. Well, then what other players are out there or who are now currently on the Lakers roster who can further open up the court? Well, Ellington is the best suited and most capable of doing that in multiple ways, right? Like you can run a set for him or he can go stand down in the corner. Um, that ability is, 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 I think, really important to LeBron and, and by extension Vogel. Yeah, and I think one of the things that LeBron just didn't like about playing with Mark was the the pace, right? Mark is more of a deliberate plotting guy yeah. who doesn't exactly go in transition. And I had a hope, you know, that he could be sort of a, a trail guy in transition to sort of take that spot up three. And that just was something that really never materialized for him or the Lakers. And one thing we've heard out of training camp is they want to run again and they want to just grab the ball and go. And uh, that is something I really like to hear because I think the yes. Lakers were just for all of the, you know, adjustments they can make to their half court offense, it's, it's just going to look a little bit clunky, even if AD plays yeah. at the center, right? Like mm -hmm. that was something that we saw even in the 2020 postseason. they're at their best when they're in transition. And if you've got guys who can run and like play above the rim, like Malik Monk, like Deandre, like Dwight, like AD, um, that's just music to my ears to hear that they're yeah. actually prioritizing transition again. Well, cause they were like, you know, two seasons ago, they were incredibly efficient in transition, but they didn't run very often. Right. And then, I mean, I think they were still like top half of the league, but yeah, not yeah like, right. Yeah, yeah. But not, I don't think they, they prioritize it in the same way that they are going to this year. And then last year they ran more often, but they weren't as efficient in it. Right. Uh, and then, and then, so this year, the hope is that they run more often and then they maintain that efficiency as a transition unit. And I just think that makes the most sense for, for all the reasons that you're talking about. The, the half court is always going to be kind of clunky. LeBron and Russ are always going to have their habits of being on the ball and, and not really doing much off of it. And so the best way to, to avoid those habits is, all right, well, rebound and run. And then they have so many guys too that can board and go, right? If And are used to boarding and going. LeBron gets a rebound, he's gone, right? I would imagine that, on plays that LeBron gets the the rebound, um, the Lakers are have or his teams have historically been one of the most efficient teams in transition, right? Mm -hmm. Because right away the ball is in the best guy in the court's hands. Uh, I would imagine that uh, Russell Westbrook, same number. I actually I know that to be a fact because that yeah. was the case that um, people out of OKC were always making as a as a me as a way to like 
explain why triple doubles for Russ were actually helping the team. And it wasn't just stat padding, right? So with both of those guys, if they board and they go, then the Lakers are a better team. Anthony Davis is more than capable of grabbing a rebound and at least taking a dribble or two to find Russ or to find LeBron. And that's going to make you very good there. And then like Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, they aren't going to get rebounds. So like, it just (laughs) fills the wings, guys. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, right. So like the point I'm making here is that like, no matter who generally gets a rebound on a play, the Lakers are going to be immediately set up really well to run. It's just a matter of like, how can they place themselves in that position to where they, they can get those rebounds often enough to take advantage of LeBron with the ball, Russ and the ball in transition. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that I used to like about AD playing the four was that he could leak out while a five could get the rebound. But mm-hmm. what's kind of fun about bringing Russ in is that he's just an excellent rebounder for his position. So even though he's not going to rebound at the same rate as a center, um, which I mean, maybe he does like getting double digit rebounds is something that a Lakers center hasn't done since what Bynum. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're right. Dwight, I would like Dwight in the Dwight. Mary oh, year. okay. Dwight in that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I always forget about that. 2012. <laughs> I tried to, too. <laughs> I didn't so drink I, enough that season. Cause I shouldn't have any recollection of it. <laughs> so at least you have another like excellent rebounder in Russ who can get the ball and go that allows AD to like leak out in transition you know, and not have to be the rebounder in that situation. So mm-hmm. it's a nice little bit of roster construction that I think makes sense in terms of how they're going to utilize rest. Uh, I don't expect to have and, any like takeaways from this Brooklyn game. Do you? Um, a few, right. You know, just in terms of like, can they create enough stops? Like that's going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, if they do get into the half court, how they prioritize LeBron on the ball versus Russ on the ball will Russ set any screens like that's a that's a very like if he isn't setting any screens in the very first game of preseason then all right you kind of have to rethink how that offense is going to look um is is LeBron or Russ going to be more active off of the ball like Mm -hmm. this is where like it's kind of like the first day of school right you 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 dress up uh super nice for the first day of school you have your you have everything lined out you have all your ducks in a row you go and you organize your desk and and everything looks amazing in there. And then over the course of the like the school year, you stop doing your hair and you start wearing <laughs> more hats and your desk, like you have to go and reorganize it a couple of times because it, it, it just it just went to crap. And so I think like here with this first game, what I'm looking for is what kind of habits are they really trying to instill? Like wh- what does it look like when Russ has his hair all done? And he's really trying to impress everybody. What does it look like when LeBron is really trying to impress Russ? And and, and so that I think like wins or losses, that's not going to matter. But those habits are super important. I do wonder how seriously they're going to take this. Um, in another nod to 2019, I believe the Lakers first season, first preseason games were against the Nets that year too. Just those were in China and had a whole other thing going on there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this should be... Yeah less dramatic I would imagine than two years ago uh yeah I, I just think that the Lakers are probably in more of a they, they came out looking remarkably close to a finished finished product like very early on in that 2019 season mm-hmm. and I think part of it was because of just that super long off season they'd had and the like LeBron had been working out like a maniac filming Space Jam all summer and uh <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, the offseason was shorter this year. Like it was a little bit longer for the Lakers because they got eliminated in the first round, but I'm just not expecting that same level of, you know, identity right away. Like it still seems like they're figuring themselves out. And I, I'm sort of just bracing myself for that, that like, and they're going up against a team in the Nets who has more talent than any other team in the NBA. Like, so it it could look ugly, you know, I'm preparing for that possibility. Altogether possible. Yeah. I, and I think the other difference here too, is that it was very easy in AD's first season with the Lakers. Like it was a new piece that was very big. And there was a, you know, there were a lot of pieces that weren't there that were there the year prior. And so you had that changeover, but at that team's core, LeBron and AD made a whole bunch of sense, right? Like that was mm-hmm. like, in terms of like, this was the thing that Pete and I were just, you know, just freaking out about back when I was hosting locked on was not only is it that LeBron and AD are two of the top five most talented players in the NBA, but also they fit together incredibly well. One is one of the best facilitators in the history of the league. The other is one of the best finishers in the history of the league. And, and I think to your point this year, it might not look as smooth right away because that same just natural cohesion, inherent cohesion doesn't really exist between LeBron and Russ. It's going to be something that they develop over the course of the year. And that's why, again, that's why I want to see what habits are they trying to install so that they can get develop that cohesion over the course of the season. Right. Because it's all going to look completely different when that buddy heel trade finally goes through. So (laughs) (laughs) did Harrison pay you to say that it's okay. (laughs) Just, just, just in my writer once. Yeah. Just (laughs) pop once. If Harrison meets you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I is do you do you have any like in terms of competition, if the let's say the Lakers get blown out, will it matter mm-hmm. to you at all? No, no. No. I'm more just interested to see like what rotations Vogel is throwing out there because even though I think there's plenty of time for it to change, like his first instinct is quite interesting to me. Um, yeah. So like what shifts are Dwight and DeAndre getting? Like, uh, are the Lakers closing out halves with 80 at the five or like, you know, who come, is he like coming in to start the second quarter at the five? Like, how does that play out? Um, when, you know, Russ or LeBron is off the court, like, is it just Russ doing the rush show again? Or like, is there more of a plan to that offensive yeah. system? Um, I, I literally could not care about the results. I mean, I imagine that they're probably going to hemorrhage some threes at this point of the season like this is a yep. Brooklyn team that will get them up and there's probably no way that their defense is anything close to Frank Vogel shape um, so I'm much more interested in the offensive side of the ball at this point because that's where I have so many questions I have faith in you know Vogel and the Lakers to craft a defensive identity that may not be as imposing as it was a year ago just because of the personnel changes that have happened but I think it'll get there you know mm-hmm. um, the offense I just literally could look just a million different ways. And that's, yeah. that's what I want to see. How are they I'm optimizing also, their guys at this point? I'm also hoping to see that the Lakers have been installing a celebration. They're playing against Brooklyn. Right. And I'm hoping they have a celebration of them, like shooting something into their arm, like mm. in, in Kyrie's general direction, just, <laughs> Hey bud, look what we all did. <laughs> just like wear like really aggressive band-aids at like inoculation sites or something. <laughs> Like when Wade used to wear like the flash bandaid on it. Exactly. Like, they all just like show up looking like Nelly, right? Like, yeah. 
That's what I'm hoping for. That's what my purple band aids, of course, because they have to match, you know, the overall aesthetic. You can't just with BB go here on it. Yeah, BB go on it. (laughs) (laughs) Two patches for BB go this year. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a hundred million dollar contract, so it's you know they better get their money's worth here. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, I just cannot believe that this game is already happening just before another show gets recorded. That's insane. Uh, yeah i mean that like i was laughing at it jen said like what are you going to talk about and i said we're probably going to preview the preseason game on sunday and jen said excuse me (laughs) 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 hold on (laughs) and so like she's you know she's freaking out now because now that means that she's going to lose me you know two or three out of every every five weeknights right Mm -hmm. and so uh, you know, she's, she's a little nervous about that. And, and she's like, I thought, I thought, I thought we had more time. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was like, you know what? I'm excited that you're going to miss me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he could have had a completely different reaction to this. Oh, thank God. He's going to be in his office for two or three out of every five weeknights. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, the Lakers are back. It's, it's a good time. I mean, just a lot of good vibes, you know, coming out of this this training camp. I just saw another quote that tickled me from training camp today that um, Rondo said, Frank Vogel told him that he will play anywhere from zero to 48 minutes. So good to know that we've narrowed that down. <laughs> if there is overtime his load will not exceed 48 minutes. So good to know, Raja. So like the whole Lakers organization is calling Frank Vogel, Ted Lasso. I don't know, I know. if you've seen this or noticed this. He was so like, like tagged I picture... as Ted Lasso. <laughs> I just picture Rondo walking into that into into their uh, little coach's box that they have there on mm-hmm. on Ted Lasso and asks him like, "All right, coach, what are your expectations? Anywhere from zero forty eight, man." <laughs> just, I turned him into John Gruden, but but yeah, I just like any. I just I love that they identify Frank Vogel as as um, Ted Lasso and yet wouldn't want Ted Lasso around longer than a year. You hear that, Lakers? You hear that shade? <laughs> relentless optimism will serve a coach mm-hmm. well definitely mm-hmm. um because it but like i kind of you know hope to have gotten across over the last half hour i really have no idea what this Lakers team is going to look like i have good you know feeling about the personalities involved which i think is an yeah. excellent start but as far as the the mechanism with which they interact with each other on the court like lord knows mm-hmm. yeah anyway I, I, I just i'm really excited to see it finally in action right like we've spent two months now or a month now like arguing over hypotheticals and and screaming at each other online over things that we haven't even seen yet and i'm i'm really excited to start screaming at each other online about things that we've seen yeah (laughs) i'll i'll probably be like a more lowercase than all caps online but you know it'll be there Uh, one other piece of news I wanted to talk about, uh, I think it was reported today that Pau Gasol will be announcing his retirement on Tuesday. And I just wanted to share a few words about one of my all-time favorite Lakers because 2007-8, I, <laughs> this is back when like I used to use Facebook as my primary source of social media and wrote mm-hmm. like just this lengthy tirade after the first game of the season when the Lakers lost to the Houston Rockets on a Shane Battier three-pointer. Um, I had just started at Duke at the time, actually. So it was a lot of conflicting feelings going on for me. 
And Pagasol sort of saved us from that just really dark place of Lakers fandom when Kobe had demanded a trade and didn't know what was going to happen going forward. And not only did he save the Lakers, like he was just a delightful person off the court. Ted Lasso. Like, really great player. Uh, had so much fun watching him, just instant chemistry with Kobe Bryant. Like when you talk about two stars meant to play with one another, lo and behold, those two really, yeah. really made it work. Um, Absolutely. I, I mean, do you have any favorite Pagasol memories that stick out to you, Anthony? Man, well, like for somebody who was called soft his entire career, mm-hmm. right? He outplayed first Dwight Howard and then Kevin Garnett in in back to back final series. So, mm-hmm. like that's pretty freaking badass. Um, I loved, uh, like, this is kind of a <laughs> like more of a Kobe memory, but but the way that Pow told the story was was is always really endearing to me. But after Kobe beat him in the Olympics for in the yeah. gold medal game, Kobe had his gold medal like hanging in his locker right there next to Powell's to make sure that Powell knew about it in that gold medal game remember Kobe laid him out laid uh, like, him <laughs> out <laughs> I went to set a screen and Kobe just freaking beat the crap out of him and like and, and it was like no love lost like I like like the thing that united Kobe and Powell in their kind in their partnership together on the Lakers was just this overriding and overwhelming love of competition and winning right and that's what really stuck out to me. And, and like the way that they spoke different languages to each other, it was a very soccery relationship between the mm-hmm. two of them. Like I, I, I grew up playing soccer. So the way that they saw the sport really reminded me of, of a really good midfielder and a really good striker in how they would, how they would um, interact on, on a soccer f- field pitch if you're a British person. And so like, um, I, I just like everything about yeah, that. The and, Brits and, call it and, a soccer pitch. <laughs> <laughs> a football pitch um so but like i that that stuff and then like you brought up the fact that uh you know pow showed up in like this otherwise dark season remember like that was such a crazy roller coaster is it started with kobe saying he was going to play on pluto like he was mm-hmm. willing to play on pluto heading into the season there was the infamous kobe bynum tirade in a parking lot right (laughs) because he was pissed that they wouldn't trade andrew bynum for jason kidd proof kids that players don't always make the best gms and then so so then so then they had uh you go from that and you know you have the trade demands that that um linger into the season and they wind up not trading kobe they come close but never wind up trading kobe and uh every after every game it was Kobe. Do you still stand by your trade demand? Kobe, are you still demanding to be traded? Kobe, this Kobe, that. And like the weirdest thing happened. Bynum shows up, like takes a giant leap forward and the Lakers start winning enough to, to the point where before like Bynum, before Bynum went down, Kobe was saying, no, why would I want to leave? Right. right. Like they were the, the top seed in the league before he went down. Right. West, it, he West, was, yeah. I remember it was a game against the Seattle Supersonics, which still existed back then. And they were, they, uh, Bynum played like, you know, gangbusters in this game. The Lakers wind up winning. Kobe gets asked after the game, Hey, do you still want to play? Or do you, do you still want to play in Pluto? Are you still standing by your trade demand? And he goes, No, why would I leave the, where would I, I want to win? I've always wanted to win. And we are now winning more than everybody else in the conference. Where would I go? And then like a week later, Bynum lands on uh, Lamar's uh, foot, mm-hmm. dislocates his uh, knee, uh, his his uh, his knee, and then you're like, "Well, there goes Kobe." There goes. 
Son of a bitch. We had him for a week. And then uh, and then the trade deadline comes. They they trade for Powell. And like you said, immediate, like immediate chemistry where the first game that they played together was absolutely electric. And sure, they came up short in that finals or whatever. But to me, that's my favorite Lakers season of all time because of the roller coaster that it Ryan, was. And yeah. and yeah, and 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 Powell was the central figure to that and really laid the foundation for one of the more fun runs in Lakers history. Yeah, I, I think of uh, a game five against Utah. I want to say it was in the conference semifinals that year when Pau just like abused Mehmet Okora down the stretch. Uh, yeah. And it was like, oh my God, like this guy can like really do anything because you sort of thought of him more as a finesse guy. And he was just like battling him in the box. And, like, yeah, uh, it was it was beautiful to watch. And he had like one of his patented like Pau just like primal yells after getting a putback over Okora yeah. at the end of the game. And it was, uh, it was, it was lovely. angry big bird. Yeah, <laughs> the best. Um, I remember when we found when I found out that the Lakers had traded for Powell. Like I just sort of saw a ticker, like you know, Lakers get Kobe help. And I was like, they trade Bynum? Like what happened? And like I found right. out that they traded for Gasol, and I was like, did they trade Bynum? Like how did this happen? And you right. see the you see the package, and it's like, God damn, Mitch Kupchak, he did it again. <laughs> like, right, right. I had a BlackBerry back then. I was working at Men's Warehouse, and uh, the trade went through. And I got, I was just kind of scrolling back, like literally scrolling, yeah. right? Because they had that stupid ball. Yeah, right. <laughs> like if you get one piece of sand in that thing, your entire phone is shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was scrolling because Men's Warehouse was either super packed or there was nobody there. So I, I had a chair in the corner of the store that I put there that my manager couldn't see if I was sitting in. Um, and he didn't care because there was nobody in the store. So I would just go and I was sitting there in my corner. And I see, you know, Lakers trade for, and that was like the beginning of the headline. And I click on it. And back then, like the servers could get overridden, <laughs> like just so, like <laughs> so easily be overridden. So you're, I'm clicking, I was like, what the fuck, you know? And so I, I, I uh, finally, I, I read the article and it was, you know, Kwame, the rights to Mark and uh, Javaris Crittenton yeah. for, for Powell. And this is going to shock you. But I was bummed that they gave up Crittenton. <laughs> I was bummed they gave up Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you know, that's that exchange right there is exactly our show, right? The yeah. Lakers just made this trade that won them two championships. And you and I are pissed that they, oh, yeah. <laughs> that hey, they we got, got Mark back of- at some point. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, I think uh, that's, you know, I, I called dad that like right when that happened and I told him about it and he was like, yeah, because I, I thought the trade was going to be for kid. Like mm-hmm. that was the person that they wanted that Kobe wanted all along. I thought, that, right. but I wasn't, I wasn't okay with them trading for kid. I just didn't think that that would make very much sense. And then when they, they brought in a big in a, in a league that still, you know, favored a back to the basket big. Mm-hmm. It, it just so happened that Powell was like a perfect bridge to the modern NBA big who can play back to the basket, but also facilitates from, from the elbow eventually learned how to shoot three pointers and became even more valuable. Um, I just think, yeah, he was, it was a perfect, he was a perfect guy. I just, and he's such a sweetheart. Like he's like the nicest dude. I don't know if you ever had any interactions with him. I just kind of like saw him in passing on, on, on occasion and stuff. And every time you saw him, it was just like, put a, put a smile on your face. Cause he was such a nice guy. Yeah, I would I would love to be in the building the night that they retire his jersey at Staples Center. Uh, oh, I just think that would be yeah, just so emotional. Um <laughs> I mean, yeah, he he just like seamlessly transitioned between 5 and 4 like he would play next to Bynum, he would play next to Odom and he was right equally good in both of those roles. I mean, I Take think notes, about that. AD. 
putback that he had against uh, Oklahoma city in game six, you know, of yeah. 2010, uh, his, he was so good in, uh, I want to say like the 20, like 13 or 2014 Eurobasket, like single-handedly le- leads Spain to a gold medal. Yeah. Um, just, just an all-time, all-time favorite. Uh, I'm so glad that he like got to be associated with the Lakers and he led us to three finals, not led us, but like, you know, co-led us to three finals mm-hmm. and, um, two championships. And I, one of one of the the better careers we've ever seen just like to think that he like made a name of himself in memphis like who does that <laughs> right right rookie of the year in memphis like, uh, what happens to the grizzlies if you don't have Pau Gasol? right like well eventually grit and grind but yeah um but, but do they get there like, like i mean they don't get marked then so <laughs> right right well like i think for i don't know if basketball continues to exist in memphis without Pau, mm-hmm. right like he was he was the central figure there and um, and got them through one of the tougher stretches in any franchise's history. And then Mark shows up and then Zach Randolph shows up and Tony Allen and, and that team develops a, a chemistry and an identity of its own. Um, and, and like, I don't know, like the last thing for me that, that I'll always really kind of remember Pal for was like, just, he was, he was at the forefront at this myopia on our part when it came to foreign players, right? Where every dude from any, you know, European country showed up and they were automatically considered soft. And I think, you know, with Powell going toe to toe with two of the most physically imposing and threatening players that the league had had produced of that era, Mm -hmm. going toe to toe and and playing outplaying them, quite frankly, in those two final series really kind of opened up the door to no, no, no you don't want to mess with Jokic, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Luca's Luca's legit, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like Powell always says that the dream team ignited his love of the sport. And just think of how many European players had their love of the sport ignited by Powell. So like, not only did he change the trajectory of the Los Angeles Lakers, but you could make a really clear argument that he helped alter the trajectory of the sport of basketball as a global thing, Powell played a pivotal role in all of that. Yeah, because think of all the people who said they grew up watching Kobe. Like Powell was on those teams, <laughs> so right, he was a yeah. part of their formative experience too. Yeah, yeah. Well, like because Luca before he came over, right, he played his pro basketball in Spain, didn't he? Right in Madrid. Yeah, yeah. And so, like you know, I'm sure, I'm sure he was around a whole bunch of people who were like, no, no, no. Y'all forget Pau was a bucket, like, but in Spanish. <laughs> uh, how much did Harrison pay you to say that one? <laughs> Harrison's just throwing money around the podcast. Yeah. Shout, shouts to Harrison. Yeah, so that's that. Uh, just, you know, kudos to Pau for an outstanding international and NBA career. Uh, look forward to his Hall of Fame induction and his Jersey retirement with the Lakers because both of them will be very well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody who says that he doesn't deserve his name in the Hall of Fame or his number retired by the Lakers, we flat out cannot be friends. Like, I'm not even, I'm like, that's not even hyperbole. We will never see the sport of basketball the same way. Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. It's just not a uh, argument worth having, frankly. No. So, no. <laughs> this is a Pau Gasol stand podcast. And yes. that is where, that is where I'm living things. <laughs> 
Uh, thank you all for listening to our show. Make sure you're subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll podcast for Lakers content every day of the week. And we'll be back next week to talk about Brooklyn Lakers preseason game. Take care.